Erev Tov, everybody. Welcome to another edition of our Thursday night Parashat HaShavua class. Tonight we are studying Parashat Vaikra. Tonight's Shi'ur is dedicated by the Al-Malech family in memory of Mrs. Marie Al-Malech Zichronali Bracham, and as well by the Keslasi family in memory of Mr. Chaim Keslasi Zichronali Bracham, and as well for the Refua Shalema of Nisim Ben Biba, Sheikhyeh, with the words of Torah, May bring an aliyah to those neshamot and as well bring refuah and may they act as a protection for all of Klal Yisrael. Amen. Welcome to everyone that is here listening live. Baruch Hashem. We have a beautiful crowd here tonight on this Thursday evening, late at night. Here we are hoping for summer, hoping for some feeling of warmth. The holiday of Pesach is around the corner, so I want to welcome each one of you that are here listening, and as well, those people that are listening on our recording, as you know that these classes are recorded and posted on my podcast, Finding Holiness. You can access it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or access it on the website, findingholiness.buzzsprout.com. Someone came up to me last Shabbat and says, I want you to know, Rabbi, that I listen to your Thursday night class every Friday morning driving to work. It made me feel good. Baruch Hashem. There are people that are listening to words of wisdom, words of Torah, as they drive to work, as they should. There's uh, too much uh, unnecessary things on the radio today. And uh, if a person can infuse himself with more Torah during these days, then how good can it be? Baruch Hashem. I'm very, very happy to hear. So please check out the podcast if you haven't heard a lot of great things that we post there. We are studying Parashat Vaikra, as I mentioned, a new sefer. This is the third book, the third sefer, Hamisha Humshe Torah, a sefer that I must admit, and I think many people will feel the same way, is one that the ideas and aspects found in the book are a little bit foreign to us. You see, Bereshit was the creation, the story of creation, and as well, our Avot, HaKedoshim, Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. As well, the story of Yosef and Mitzrayim. Who doesn't love Bereshit? Sefer Bereshit is, oh, remember learning it as kids. Shemot, Yetziat Mitzrayim, the creation of the world, but the creation of a nation, the Jewish people, as we will dive deep in the holiday of Pesach and the story of the Exodus, followed by the splitting of the sea, and of course, culminating with Matan Torah and Har Sinai. And then comes Sefer Vayikra which deals with none other of korbanot, sacrifices, sacrifices, boring. If I can describe it, it's boring. It's not because it's not important, but because it's irrelevant. It's not something that we feel connected to as a nation right now living post-Temple era. Yet, our rabbis tell us something very intriguing, something that, to be honest, I also can't make much sense of it. That this book, Sefer Vayikra, in fact, Parashat Vayikra, this week's parasha, is the Torah portion that we should begin teaching our children at a young age. This is the this is the parasha that we start teaching our children. Stop and think about that for a moment. Are you serious? This is what you want to teach your kid? The the this, it's barbaric what they do to these animals, slaughtering and blood collecting, and sprinkling blood on the Mizbeach, and, and having the innards burn on the altar, 
and 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 then you have meal offerings and sin offerings and totally burnt offerings, guilt offerings. This is what our rabbis felt needs to be taught to our children more than the great stories of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and 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 Matan Torah and Yetziat Mitzrayim. And it's very clear. The Midrash says this is the parasha. It's very difficult to understand where the rabbis were coming from when they said such a statement. I hope to maybe address this later on as we go through our class tonight. The key pasuk in our parasha, and probably the key pasuk in the entire book of Vayikra is the first one. There is a thesis out there that is quite valid and proven that really the beginning of uh, of anything sets the tone for what's to come. So the first pasuk of the parasha, which happens to be the first verse of the entire book, will introduce us to lofty ideas. Now, what is this first pasuk? What is being spoken about? The pasuk, the verse, introduces the entire subject of sacrifices. And I read it for you here. Adam ki yakriv mikem korban l'ashem. Hashem called out to Moshe and said, Adam, man, ki yakriv mikem korban l'ashem. When any man of you bring an offering to God. Now the Zohar, I'm jumping right into it. The Zohar is intrigued by the term Adam, man. And instead of using the word ish, this question is asked by many commentators. Why use the word Adam and not ish? And the Zohar declares that by this word Adam, the Torah means neither Adam Kadma'a nor Adam Batra'a. What is Adam Kadma'a and Adam Batra'a? Adam Kadma'a is the first man, Kodem, what came prior, or Batra'a, Adam Batra'a is the last man. But rather, as our title stated, the Torah is, con- is concerned with the faith and the devotion and the love of mankind in the middle. Man in the middle, between Adam Kadmon, Adam Kadma'a, the first man, and Adam Batra'a. Man at the beginning and man at the very end of time. What is the Zohar trying to tell us? It's telling us that for the first man and last man, devotion to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not an extraordinary achievement. You see, the first man, Adam HaRishon, lived in Gan Eden. He lived in paradise. He had every indication of God's beracha and bounty. He had direct communication with Hashem. It was clear as crystal and direct. In fact, he was created himself at Selim Adam HaRishon was created by God himself. So it required no great moral effort for him to believe in a God and worship God. As well, man at the end of time, the Adam Batra'a, is the one who will have experienced a complete geula, a geula shelema, the complete redemption. And through the complete redemption that will come with the time of Mashiach Bezrat Hashem, he will have enjoyed and visibly witnessed the gilui shekhinah, which is the divine revelation at the end end of time, at the end of days, at the termination of history. 
For this man also, Adam Batra'am, faith is not an act of heroism. Hazaku Baruch. No, why? Because he saw the hand of God acting in his. For these individuals, the Korban is not really a sacrifice. Loyalty to the creator of the world, to Borei Olam, is not a noteworthy mitzvah. But, says the Zohar, it's the man in the middle. The man in the middle of the course of history. All of us here tonight listening. For the Adam who flourishes neither at the beginning nor at the end of time, it's his korban is the lofty accomplishment, as we're going to explain. Man in the middle of the course of history, for whom certainties are elusive, faith is difficult. We don't dwell in Gan Eden. We don't dwell in a state of redemption. We are very much still in exile. For that man, for we men and women, in the middle, korban and emunah, sacrifice and faith, are an unparalleled victory of the human spirit. The real mitzvah is accomplished when the korban lashem, is offered by man who finds himself in the middle of time in history, where everything around him seems confused by uncertainty, his heart filled with fear. Everything inside of him is pulled apart with worry and anxiety. His prayers are doomed to frustration because nothing seems to be going right. The period we live now is that middle period. It's not Kadma'ah, it's not Batra'ah, it's not first, it's not last. We live in a time that the Torah call, calls it Hester Panim, the hiding of God's face. When we yearn for the, to see His presence, but we're disappointed. When we strive to talk with Hashem, but we receive no answer. When we're willing to submit ourselves to Him, but we fear that maybe God doesn't care. When he seems to have vanished from our lives without leaving a trace. When life appears to be meaningless. How easy it is for modern man, man living in the time of Hester Panim, where God is not visible, to yield to despair, chas v'shalom. To stop praying, chas v'shalom. To quit believing, a bigger chas v'shalom. And it's precisely because of that that it becomes a massive achievement to believe despite the doubts that we have, to hope despite the despair, and to continue to pray to Hashem despite what seems to be silence from above. It's that determination of man in the middle performing the act of emunah, the act of faith that makes us a true Adam, a true human being. But I read something unbelievable in the name of Rav Norman Lamb, Zecher Tzadik Libracha, who I've quoted a few times in some of my lectures, that the pasuk that we opened up with and interpreted is meant more than, more than a compliment to this man in the middle who retains his faith, more than just 
an encouragement for a person to continue on his way. If a person really examines this pasuk, this verse, carefully, then you will find in it the beginning of an answer to the question of questions for any man living today. How and where can we discover the sources, the yesodot, the foundations of emuna? How can we acquire complete faith in a world that is gripped by distrust, skepticism, in the society that is soaked with suspicion, in a world, in a civilization that now permits Antifa and riots and blatant anti-Semitism, in a world, in a society that outwardly portrays disgusting sexual promiscuity broadcasted on live television in front of millions of people and their children. And this is normal. How shall we be Adam? How shall we be man in an age where it's not Kadma'a or Patra'a, where it's not beginning or end? How can we offer ourselves to God, to Hashem, when we don't live in Gan Eden or in the state of Geulah Shalema? What advice do we have for that man right in the middle who would like to believe but finds that he can't? And Rabbi Lam says that there are three suggestions that await for us in this opening pasuk. And I want to take you tonight on this journey through this pasuk and walk out of here hopefully a new man. First, Adam ki yakriv. If a man is yakriv, yakriv means not only to offer up a sacrifice, but yakriv also means to draw close, to come karov. Karov in Hebrew means close, closeness. Close to who? Close to God. Faith is not something that magically appears out of Shamaim, out of heaven, and just graces lucky individuals. You're going to have faith. You're going to have faith. You're not going to have faith. That's not what happens. It's something that actually requires great effort. It's something that is not just a state. It's a process. It's a process that demands study, that demands reading books, it demands experience, demands thinking, it demands willingness, labor, diligence. That's what emunah requires. In Judaism, unlike any other religion, we don't accept the idea that faith has to precede religious practice. That's not the way we think. On the contrary, in fact, Judaism holds that emunah and mitzvah feed off each other, or feed on each other. Often, leading the right kind of life will bring man to the right kind of belief. It's possible for a man to believe in God, but he lives like a pagan. However, if a man lives like a Jew, even if he thinks like a pagan, ultimately, he'll come to think and believe as a Jew should too. The Gemaran, the Yerushalmi, the Chachamim write as follows, 
Halvai oti azvu bet torati shamaru. Would only the Jews abandoned me? This is what I'm quoting Hashem. If only the Jews abandoned me, as long as they observed my Torah. Unbelievable statement by Akadosh Baruch Hu. What does that mean? Let the Jew hold and hanging his belief in God. Leave it on the side. As long as he studies Torah and performs mitzvot. Because by doing so, that will lead him to a moral and an ethical life and Jewish existence. And then he will ultimately arrive at the emunah. As the Yerushalmi says, Hamaor Sheba Machaziro Lemutav. The inner light of and, and glory of Jewish existence will bring him back to God. Adam ki yakriv, the opening of the pasuk, means that man must take the initiative in reaching out to God. He has to commit himself to Jewish living. Mitzvot have to become a part of his life. That this kind of life, these kind of deeds, will lead him to become karof will help him come closer to Almighty God. Now, this doesn't just refer to action deeds, but also to a commitment of emotions. Eli Wiesel, Zichronoli Vracha, wrote many books, many very famous books, some of them of which I've read, that uh, have pierced me to today. He has a vivid description of Russian Jewry in his book called Jews of Silence. And there he describes a generation of Russian Jews, young people who were never permitted to hear a Jewish word, to learn a pasuk in the Torah, who were never allowed to hear one story of Rabbi Meir Balanes or Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai or Bibchanina Bendosa in the Talmud. I've met these people. They've told me this. Their minds were filled with nothing but materialism. And they considered themselves Russian, good Russian Marxists. This is who they were. This is what they thought of themselves. But they also preferred to be known as Jews, no matter what the risk was. And how was it that they expressed this untapped love, this ahava for Judaism and the Jewish people, what is it that brought them back to the Bet Knesset? Rabotai, it wasn't the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. It wasn't Kol Nidre. It wasn't the Neilan Yom Kippur. It was the singing and the dancing of Simchat Torah. That's what it was. Here in North America, all too often we take the holiday of Simchat Torah in a sense of uh, amusement. As, uh, you know, we drink too much, more than what we have to. We don't really feel the true simcha. But in Moscow, in the days of the communists, on every fall in September and October, this day in front of the massive great synagogue in Moscow, thousands, he writes, thousands of Jewish Marxists gathered together in front of the Bet Knesset to sing and dance Lichvod HaTorah. These are Jews, long alienated by the communists, 
who are drawing close their emotions to God. How? By committing their joy, their happiness to our religion of Judaism. No matter what they believe intellectually, no matter how they live the rest of the year, but this joy inside, when it came to the Simchat of Torah, that's something that they were never, ever ready to let go. Inside of them, there is a precious spark. There is a beautiful dot of Jewishness that they hoped and prayed that with the help of God, Bezrat Hashem, someday, sometime, they will come completely back to Judaism and to the Jewish homeland. And fast forward a few decades, and indeed, this prayer and hope came to fruition as there are thousands and thousands of Russian Jewry in the Holy Land of Israel. The first means of rediscovering the sources of faith is to live as a Jew, both in general conduct and as well emotional attachments, and thereby return to full Jewish faith. Adam Kiyakrit. The second means is by remembering that faith in our religion is not something entirely personal and individual, but rather it also reflects the experience of our whole people and history. That's why we speak of ourselves not as individuals who altogether constitute the people, but rather we are members of Knesset Israel, the congregation of Israel. That's why tefillah prayer is encouraged by individuals in their homes, but it is preferable that we pray in a minyan together. And therefore, the faith that each individual Jew has or seeks can be strengthened and will be strengthened by associating with other faithful Jews so that all together we find strength in each other. And the next word in the Pasuk, after Adam ki Yakriv, is the word Mikem, from you, plural, from amongst you. We can become the right spiritual Adam only if we issue from the right kind of Mikem, only if we seek the best intimate associations with people that have similar aspirations and goals as us. And that's why Rashi brings down, Mikem from you, Velo Mumar, which excludes the willful heretic, because we cannot accept a heretic, not in our sanctuary, not in our community. His sacrifices and offerings are rejected by Akadosh Baruch Hu. Now, although there is a need, and I stress this very, very much, there is a need for Orthodox Jews to welcome all Jews and treat them with respect and dignity. And even though you may disagree with their opinions, even though you disagree with their outlook in, in life and halakha, you have to treat them with love and understanding, and we must open ourselves up to them. We have to do what we can to be mekarev them. There's no question of that. We have to seek love. We have no right to hate a fellow Jew no matter what outlook in life they have. But that doesn't mean that we have to create ourselves an environment that is damaging to our spiritual well-being. 
the opposite. We have to create for ourselves the right sort of family environment to live in a, in a neighborhood amongst people that share our values. The importance of study, the study of Torah, of having a Rav to seek spiritual guidance and advice, to have a Chavruta, to pray in a Minyan of Bet Knesset. Only a person who is possessed with foolish self-confidence can believe that he can survive with his Jewishness intact in a neighborhood or a society or a group of people where religion is completely ignored. Such a person is going through mamash spiritual suicide. He stands no chance. And we have to know in advance that we will not continue our way. We will not continue the way that is expected of us from God if we think that we can hang around individuals or society or live in a neighborhood where, where it's God forsaken. Literally, there is no God. We can have little hope for our children to remain in the Jewish fold if we send them to schools in remote areas where Judaism is an afterthought, where we send them to summer camps in the summer where they don't even teach them one pasuk of Torah, where prayer is obsolete. Adam ki akriv mikem. It has to be from all of you. It has to be a group of devoted individuals to Akados Baruch Hu and what he wants from us. That's the second. The third means to fulfill Jewish loyalty to God and faith is the next two words. Korban Lashem. Adam ki akriv mikem, korban Lashem. An offering to Akadosh Baruch Hu. The great Rav Eliyahu Dessler, Zecher Tzadik Libracha, author of the Mikhtav Me'eliyahu, has a beautiful essay in his first volume that talks about human being and by nature who he is. Man by nature is acquisitive. It's proven in psychology. Experience confirms this. And we also know it. From the moment man is born, he begins to grab and take whatever he can. But what we don't actually appreciate is that there is another opposite tendency that is indigenous to man, the desire to give as well as to receive. It is only natural from the Jewish point of view that man should possess this wish to constantly give because our tradition teaches us that man was created in the image of God, which means that in many respects, he resembles the Borei Olam. God has no need, no desire to take from us. What's the point? God only gives. That's why one of his attributes is chesed, love, or the capacity of giving of himself to us and the beracha that we receive. The very creation of the world, David Amelach writes in Tehilim, is olam chesed ibanez, an act of chesed. God didn't need the world to exist. He doesn't need us. The world exists because he wanted to give it to us so that we could sanctify his name. 
the revelation of the Torah on Har Sinai is an act of giving and chesed as well. And therefore, man, created in his image, resembles Borei Olam in possessing this inner desire to give of himself. But look what Rav Dessler says after. He says, connected with this concept of giving is the fact of Ahava, love. He says, it's worth thinking, which comes first? Or which is the cause and which is the effect? Is it the act of giving or the act of love? Meaning, does man love first and then gives to the object because he loves the object? Or is it maybe reversed? Man gives, and as a result, he loves because he gave. That we normally give gifts to people we love, that's evident. I love my wife, I give her a gift. But equally true is that the act of giving itself, this is the chidush, enhances love and often even creates it. When I give of my time and my substance and my talents to another human being, I feel I've invested in him. I feel like I've invested in her. And therefore, that attachment, my affection and love grow every single time I give and in proportion to what I give. And therefore, when I think of it this way, the giving is the cause and the loving is the effect. And the Chachamim and the Gemara taught us the same idea. If you desire to love your friend, to glue to your friend through love, give him and give him more for his goodness and his benefit. Do something for him. That's how you're going to love him. The love is the effect. Give him, give him, give him, and you're going to love him. How important is this advice for young couples about to be married or those that are married already? Whatever you do, don't make demands upon each other. It's the quickest way to frustrate the development of what true love is supposed to be. This is the only time where rabbis will actually tell you they will beg from you don't follow the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch is the Jewish code of law. Don't follow the Shulchan Aruch when it comes to marriage. It's a very sad state of affairs when a couple has to now educate their differences by referencing the code of law. Why? Because the Shulchan Aruch elaborates at length the claims of a husband against his wife and the wife upon the husband. You're supposed to do this for me. You're supposed to do that for me. Oh, you didn't do this, so now I can demand this of you. It has to be written because God forbid there are there are divorces. There are times where husband and wife don't don't stay together. So it has to be written, it has to be codified. But it's not something that we tell a young couple and a newly married couple say, look at the Shukharu, whatever say, no, 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 no. Give, just give, 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 give. Through the giving will come the love. If, God forbid, a couple is reduced to legal action based on mutual claims, desperate trouble, big trouble. The ideal of a Jewish life, of a Jewish married life, is to live so that there'll be no reason to resort to that type of stuff. No demands on each other. Each partner has to make it 
his or her business to give, give, and give more. It's the only way to transform that into love. Give your time, give your loyalty, give your talent, give your affection, give pleasure and joy, give happiness, give gifts, give attention, give concern. And from here you will see a blossoming of love and fruits of produce and the lifelong affection and loyalty between each other. So if that's the method for a relationship between husband and wife or friend and friend, so the same principle needs to be applied to our religion. We spoke of faith, but that's just an abstraction. Jews prefer to speak about love because that's a passion. More than believing in God, we are commanded to love Him. Three times a day. Judaism recognizes that love for God is etched in their own heart. Religion is not grafted onto us artificially. It pre-exists within us. The question is, how do we express that? How do we enhance it? The answer? Adam ki akriv mikem korban lashem. You have to learn to give to God. When we give our time by getting up early in the morning to pray with a minyan, when we give up our substance to the causes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what he considers important, when we give our money to the poor, our hard-earned money to the poor, because God is telling us to, to our schools, to our communities, when we give our attention and our concern to Him and His people, then the process of giving enhances the Ahava, the love we bear for Him within. The more we give, the more we love. The man who, we, who would like to believe, but we cannot or is difficult to believe, that man needs to learn how to give. And then, not only will he learn how to believe, but also, but also he will come to love. Abotai, maybe, just maybe, this is the deep and profound reason why we begin teaching children this book and not any other sefer. When children were first introduced to the world of Humash, this is the way it was, Sefer Vayikra. It's an odd choice, like we started off by saying. The main theme of the book is just sacrifices, killing of animals, sprinkling of blood. It's not applicable today. We, as adults, have difficulty relating to these ideas. So it seems inappropriate to begin a child's education, a Jewish education, with the abstract laws of Korbanot. Why not start at the beginning? Sefer Bereshit, Abraham Yitzhak Yaakov. The Midrash gives us the answer. Because children are pure and sacrifices are pure. Let the pure come and occupy themselves with the pure. What impressions would a child get from starting off in all the other books of Kumash? Sefer Breshit starts with Adam and Chava disobeying God, the only commandment that they have, one commandment they disobey. The stories of the generation of the flood, theft, thievery, the Tower of Babel waging war on God. Sedom, oh my gosh, Sedom Ba'amora, the brotherly friction 
the jealousy. Does that seem to be an appropriate introduction to the Torah? Sefer Shemot, not much better. And we meet a nameless, faceless people who reject their traditions of their ancestors and they're enslaved. Bamidbar, that's just a book of complaining and more complaining in which the Jewish people are forced to wander aimlessly for 40 years in the desert until a new generation was born, free from the slave mentality of their parents. And the last book, Devarim, Moshe rebukes the Jews not to repeat the mistake of the past so that they wouldn't further delay their entry in Eretz Yisrael. And while there are very important lessons and moral strength in these books, I don't deny that, there is much to be learned, both from the good deeds and midot, and as well from the mistakes of the past. But when you're teaching a child, an impressionable child, that child must might be left with a skewed picture of the lessons of the Torah. Vayikra is not a book whose purpose is just to provide practical instructions on the way to bring sacrifices. Rather, it deals on a fundamental basis with Bnei Israel as Mamlechet Kohanim Vegoi Kadosh, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. There is no more appropriate time to inculcate these values into children as when they have the freshness and purity of being young. The bringing of Korbanot is the essence of the Avodah, its service of Hashem, which along with the Torah and the Gemilut Chasadim, those are the pillars that keep the world standing, as it said in Perkei Avot, we're going to read soon. The Torah represents the thought-related element of Judaism. Gemilut Chasadim is the active part between man and his fellow man. But these two, Torah and Gemilut Chasadim, is insufficient without the Avodah. Without the service, the active part of our proper connection between God and emunah in Him, which also has to exist in order that the proper behavior between man and man will have its full meaning. We need to use the action and the heart in making our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu complete. The avodah, the service, the korbanot has to come from within the person. Korbanot is not offered just as like a donation, but it's a gift from one's essence inside. And the Chachamim, the Nevi'im, the prophets spoke very strongly against people offering korbanot without the correct frame of mind or actions. God says, I have no interest in those type of korbanot. And like we said before, we have to reject that which some say that the main thing is what's inside the heart. Oh, if I believe in God, who cares what I do on the outside? Lehefe. There has to be an action part. The Gemara says that whoever says he only has Torah, he doesn't even have Torah. The heart does not have real value if it is in a state that is disconnected from action. So Rabotai, in summary, Adam ki akriv mikem, the middleman. How does one become Adam in the middle of time? Again, it's easy to become Adam in the beginning of time and the end of time. First, Adam Kiyakriv. He must commit himself in action and emotion to seek out God. It requires effort on the person. Second, he has to provide himself with a society and an environment of Judaism and Jewishness. 
Adam ki akriv mikem. And last but not least, he has to give of himself and of his possessions to Hashem. Korban la Hashem, to God and his causes. And then you will learn to have love, which is even more than faith. Korban la Hashem. When we have this, when we have all these three things, then we attain the status of Adam as genuine human beings in the middle of history. This is where we are. And then we shall deserve the attention of God, the affection of Bore Olam. Because the Midrash says that the word Adam is used in this week's parasha and not Ish. Because Adam has a particular meaning. It's Lashon Haiba. It's a Lashon Ahava Vere'ut. It's a language of divine love. It's a language of brotherliness. It's a language of friendship, a language of chesed, and giving one to another. And that's the message, Abotai, that's the message that I want to impart on my children and my grandchildren until the end of all generations. And I guarantee you, you think the same way. Wishing you all a wonderful night. Kultum.